Paul, our 150th episode, a very special, very special milestone coming up on our third year anniversary in August, um, which I told um, I was hanging out with Lori last night and I was like, it's our 150th episode. She went, shut up. Right. And I said, yeah, no, really. I'm like our three, our three year anniversary is August. She's like, I cannot believe it's been that long. And I'm like, no, really. I feel the same way. Right. Like, it only feels like 125 you. episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hundred, 130 tops. Yeah. Right. But anyway, I am Nathaniel, the host. Uh, I've got uh, with me the heart of At the Devil's Ball. I've got uh, Samuel Numenay. Samuel, Hello. how are you? I'm doing well. And then to commemorate our 150th, we've got a very, very special friend. Uh, special friend. Um, that's a whole other <laughs> connotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, special guest. Uh, we've got Anastasia with us uh, coming back. She uh, came on to talk with us and our friend Scott Davis about uh, possession a while back. Right. Anastasia, welcome back to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. Um, very, very excited that you're here with us to talk about Silent Hill, the uh, arguably the greatest video game adaptation ever made. Right. Um, oh, uh, you think there was better ones? <laughs> I think now that The Last of Us has come out, I think that, that's probably You think that might beat it? All right. I yeah. haven't Wait, seen The Last of Us. You don't love Laura Croft? I haven't <laughs> seen those ones. Greater? Yeah. Well, <laughs> are those good? No. Oh, okay. I, I was going to they're, they're they're schlock, uh, but, but you know, really, right. the source material is you know great to begin with, you know, as well. So, mm-hmm. but you think up until Last of Us, Sam, you think this was the best one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of another one that was any. In fact, um, we'll talk about this. I talked. I we listened. I watched uh, some of the Christoph Gans, um, interview before coming on here. That's on the Blu-ray, and he talks about how it was a, uh, a ghetto, uh, you know that the. Uh, video game adaptation was so like disrespected in Hollywood that the fact that this film exists uh, is still held up by a lot of video game fans as proof of what you can do with this Mm -hmm. material Um, and that he's very well liked in the silent Hill fandom because he actually respected the game he was adapting. Um, And so that's all stuff we'll talk about, but first of all, um, uh, what did everybody watch this week? Anything fun? Anastasia, uh, did you watch anything new this week that you'd recommend? Um, no, I've barely, I've barely been watching things. The only thing I watched other than Silent Hill are two of the middle Hellraisers. I watched That's not in- a bad plan. <laughs> I watched all. Inferno, which I like is that I one. think the worst one. I like I that one. Inferno. I'm a fan. Oh yeah. God. So I watched that and I also watched Hell World. Right. Um, that's the one where it's a party in a house. That's that the worst pretty one. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I think I that's the worst one. I love that one. Yeah. You do get to see Superman get a blowjob in that movie. So um, yeah, yeah, Henry Cavill, uh, pre-fame. Um, and he has he's a nice long death scene in it. So he that's fun. He does, yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of amazing that despite the fact that Lance Henriksen and Doug Bradley are in it, the most famous guy in it's probably Henry Cavill now, and that's kind of kind of incredible. But mm-hmm. um, but you didn't you didn't care for either one of those, or you you said you liked um, Hell World, but I like Hell World. I mean, I've seen them all before, right? Um, mm. I watch honestly I probably rewatch Hellworld like once a year. I just there's something about the Hellraiser movies that are their own thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I really dug when Hellraiser became an anthology series, you know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always it even if they don't work, they're interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Even Hellworld is sort of like you're know, like, I don't know what the hell they were thinking here, but mm-hmm. it's uh it's uh <laughs> It's an right. interesting choice um, to be yeah. like, well, we're going to, who knows what we're doing with this, but. Um, they made choices. <laughs> yeah. 
Sam, what about you? You watch anything new this week? Um, I watched uh, continuing my uh, my Jackie Chan jam and uh, oh, watched right. yeah. uh, Battle Creek Brawl, which is an astounding film. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, 1980. It was made in America. Um, it's about him uh, taking place in a uh, giant like um, spectator sport fight um, mm. with a bunch of like you know stereotypes like they have like you know the the bodybuilder types the uh like the old timey bodybuilder types with you know the the big trunks and everything and um the handlebar mustaches handlebar mustaches um (laughs) you know they have they have uh it's got a little bit of everything it's got gangsters in it it takes place in the 20s in chicago and texas um and that sounds incredible yeah it's got a it's got a roller uh, I always said rollerblading, a uh, roller skating uh, race that's got a lot of good physical comedy in it. Um, oh. It's just, you know, like Jackie Chan fired on all cylinders. It's not exactly um, as good as like, you know, the stuff he was making in Hong Kong at the time, but it's it's still pretty, pretty damn great. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'll yeah, check that out. A lot of fun. I saw the, I saw the box set. Um, I think our friend uh, Ryan Rodriguez actually bought, right. uh, bought it too. He mentioned yeah, that he had it. Yeah. And uh, I That's what I'm heard, through. yeah, and I heard a couple of people mentioning it. And I'm like, I, I might want to pick that up. Like, I, I haven't seen nearly enough Jackie Chan, so I might want right. to check it out. But I, but. right now, you know, it might be just because I'm going through, you know, a lot of his filmography that I haven't seen. Um, I think he might be my favorite martial artist because he's just like that good. Yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. the films he's on, he usually does the you know fight choreography for, and he's you know oh. just knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I watched the uh, I, wa- I watched the Flash. Okay. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, did my, I did my staff screening of the Flash uh, this past week. Um, not a great film. No. I don't uh, I don't recommend it. Um, there's a reason why it's flopping. Right. Um, you know, uh, credit where credits due, though. I mean, Miller is actually pretty good in it, despite being an actual. Besides being like problematic as hell. Right. Right. Um, but the things that work about it, like Keaton, uh, they, Keaton's having a, fl- a lot of fun. Right. With the film, uh, you know, uh, reprising his role and, uh, you know, doing his doing lines from Batman, basically, you know, yeah. it's it's basically that's it. That's the joke, you know, is him like, you know, half smiling and then saying, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. You know, right. Like it's, <laughs> um, it, you know, it's kind of sad. Uh, like, it's 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 great that they reuse that line and, it, you know, it's yeah. a lot of fun. But it's like if you if you think about it for a second, it's kind of sad, like to think that, like, he's been waiting 30 years to say that line again. Mm-hmm. You know, just <laughs> been waiting for a chance. There was just this random encounter he had with uh, right. Jack Napier. But yeah. Like, yeah, that was a great line. I got to hold on to that for 30 years. Yeah. Um, in case I ever meet a superhero from another dimension that, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it has its moments of, uh, mm-hmm. of genuine interest and fun, but it's painfully unfunny. Right. Um, the joke, every single joke just bombs. It's, I, I can't figure it out. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a difficult movie to get through in some ways. I thought it would be uh, better coming from, uh, Andy Muschietti and, uh, yeah. Barbara Muschietti. Yeah. Barbara Muschietti. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it just doesn't work. Uh, it, and it, it tries hard, but it's mm-hmm. still sort of this, it's ostensibly the movie Spider-Man No Way Home except right. with Michael Keaton instead of Tobey Maguire. Right. Uh, and it, you know, then that almost literally the same plot beats and everything. It's almost literally the same movie, but, um, but it actually, it, it has its moments, but um, 
it's not really worth checking out. So I, uh, I'm excited tomorrow night to do the stop screening for Asteroid City, which is uh, the mm -hmm. new film from, um, oh, hell. Uh, Wes Rocket. Anderson. Yes, Wes Anderson, thank you. Um, but yeah, and that's uh, that's got my staff all excited. A bunch of them are going to show up and watch it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody's looking forward to Asteroid City. Um, but yeah, The Flash has not been doing great at our theater. So, um, but yeah. Um, kind of surprised it's bombing, but uh, I guess a lot of people were like me, but they're like, well, I'll just wait and watch it when it gets max. Either that or just don't want to watch it at all because Miller is that, you know, yeah. that problematic. I mean, it's... Uh, well, the universe is that dead. What's that, hmm? Anastasia? I just, I don't think people actually care. No. Yeah. You know, the general population. Right. I don't yeah. think so either. The superhero movie boom is probably on its is starting to slow down anyway. I mean, considering Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't exactly a uh, huge hit either. Right. It was hit, it was a hit, but it wasn't like, you know, billion dollar hit um, mm -hmm. that it's sort of like maybe these are slowing down. But the but Spider-Man, no way. Uh, Spider-Man um, uh, across the Spider-Verse is killing it like it's huge. Right. Um, but uh, which by the way, you should check out like everybody yeah. listening to this should go see that movie. Like that one's good. Um, but um, which is what happened at the theater this past weekend was, you know, Father's Day and Juneteenth happened and Spider-Man sold a shit ton of tickets and nobody came to see the flash. Mm -hmm. So, um, but with that, uh, Sammy, we'll do the vitals on Silent Hill and we'll dive right under this. Yep. Uh, Silent Hill came out April 21st, 2006. Was directed by Christopher Gans, Christoph Gans and uh written by Roger Avery. Uh, as far as cast, I'm going to start with uh, a small role first because I had to scroll really far to find him. <laughs> uh, Roberto Campanella played Red Pyramid, plus the janitor and Colin. Um, mm -hmm. Rose De Silva was played by Rada Mitchell. Christopher De Silva was played by Sean Bean. Sybil Bennett was played by Lori Holden, who coming back from last week, who I don't think we've really talked about last week, but... Uh, Hopefully we get to this week. Holy shit! Really? Oh my god, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. We totally. We totally sorry, Larry, space sorry, sorry, Lori Holden. Right? <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even occur. I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that's the same person. But holy shit! Yeah, yeah it is. Okay. Anyway, continue. Uh, sorry. Deborah Kara Unger played Dahlia Gillespie. Kim Coates played Officer Thomas Gucci. Tanya Allen played Anna, and Alex Kriege played Christabella. And Jodell Farland played Sharon, Alessa, and Dark Alessa. Yeah. That's pretty much it for our cast. Our yeah. main cast, yep. Yep. Uh, we should probably call out, uh, let's see, producer mm -hmm. um, Samuel Hadida, uh, which yep. uh, the uh, which Christoph Gans credits as being a, a huge, huge collaborator on the picture. Mm -hmm. um, we have um, Akira Yamaoka, Ugh, I'm sorry, Japanese yeah. names. Um, but um, Akira Yamaoka, Yamaoka, mm. Akira Yamaoka. Okay, uh, did the music uh, reprising some of uh, his music from the game, I believe. Right. Um, the cinematographer Dan Laustenson, um mm. did some great uh, cinematography on this picture. Uh, great set decoration by Peter P. Oh, Lord. Uh, Nikolakakos. Nikolakakos. Yep. <laughs> um, Nikolakakos. Yeah, uh, that's a Greek name. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that did um, visual effects and special makeup right. effects uh, who all did great work here. 
Um, there was something else specifically I wanted to call out, and I'm now I'm forgetting. Oh, of course, uh, creator of the video game, Silent Hill. Right. Uh, <laughs> Kichiro, Kichiro, Kichiro Toyama. Toy, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm an insensitive white man, and I can't pronounce Japanese names. Um, but creator right, of Silent sorry. Hill. Yeah. Yes. Creator of Silent Hill. Uh, wonderful game. Are you both mm -hmm. familiar with the game? absolutely yeah love yeah one yeah. of my favorites I, yeah i um I, the let's whole series with, up till yeah. at least the fourth one yeah we'll start with that um before we jump into the film particularly um what was your guys's first uh anastasia we'll start with you as our guest what was your first experience with the game and what um, was that like it, so i play, i played it with a friend in high school um like we worked on it together and then I didn't really remember too much about it. So more recently, I, I like to watch other people play video games while I knit. Partially mm -hmm. that way I don't have to pay for all the video games right. and all the equipment. So I watched, I watched people play through all the Silent Hill games at least a couple of times, each of them. So that's my more recent familiarity with it. And what uh, what do you like? Do you like it? What do, what do you what do you like about yeah, it? Yeah, I I mean I really like that they are very emotional pieces and they lean heavily into their symbology. Um, the monster designs are always interesting, even if they I don't know some of the later games aren't as good. <laughs> right. But the monster designs are still quite interesting. The place is interesting. Um, the strange surrealness of it is is a is a thing I think about and I want to go back and I want to like experience it over and over right yeah. what about you Sam um yeah I, I remember playing it you know late nights um after work and you know really digging the atmosphere and uh the way they used the limitations of the system you know to its advantage um with you know the the small screen, um, the, uh, you know, the fog, which was, you know, because they couldn't render out the entire, you know, uh, town, right. at, town at once. Um, and just, but, but there's such a cinematic bent to, to the first game uh, and the way it's structured, you know, and um, mm -hmm. the weird uh, culture clash of, you know, Japanese uh, game developers trying to make an American city, um makes everything feel a little bit off even more the more so than they intended i think um because you know they're obviously they're channeling a lot of like david lynch and you know other um uh, i forgot the name of that movie my god uh, <laughs> jacob's ladder yeah jacob's Jacob ladder christoph, christoph uh, gant specifically mentioned david lynch and uh and right. uh, uh jacob's ladder yeah. yeah, and that was always a those were big influences for Team Silent. So I like I've I loved the first four games in the series because they were just, you know, so one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I, I played it in high school too with a friend. Um he was uh, I'm I'm so ridiculously uncoordinated um that I would uh, I couldn't figure out how to control it at the time. So right. he was mostly doing all the moving and then we worked together on puzzles and stuff. It was a really great time. Um, and I remember that the game was um, legitimately scary at the yeah. time too, which yeah. was really fun. Uh, we kept freaking out. We're like, "What the hell?" You know. Um, 
Those shadow children in the school freaked me out like a lot. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. that. That came back. I actually just played it for a couple of hours just a few days ago. Mm. That's the problem. Is I'll, I'll I I got my PS3 with the I had been reading about Silent Hill games, and so I went right. and bought a PS3. This was years ago, mm. uh, so I could play a Silent Hill game, and I bought Downpour, and I mm. played it for about oh, two no. days. <laughs> Well, I played it for about two days. I was actually enjoying it for the most part. I was like, okay, this is fun. And I can, you know, I'm getting behind this. And I got to a point where I had to go like find a vending machine Mm -hmm. to appease a homeless man. So I could get across, get over turnstiles in a subway system. And I, I, it made me um, worried about my own, um, my own anger issues because I kept like trying to kill him with, um, with weapons. And I'm like, uh, and I was like, well, look, my character is supposed to be a uh, uh, ex-con murderer, right? Like, why can't right. I kill this man? And then I'm like, oh, my God, what kind of person am I? Uh, you know, if I were in a life or death situation, am I just going to brain some homeless guy to get out of my way? But uh, but it was but it was That's funny. That's the kind the of psychology that uh, the, the earlier games would have loved, yeah. loved to have played with. <laughs> that yeah. game probably just ignored it completely. Yeah, but no, you the know? video game, but I was like, video game logic, and I'm like, why can't I, like, just beat this guy up and jump over the turnstiles? And they're like, nope, go find the vending machine. I couldn't find it. I spent hours right. looking for this damn vending machine. Couldn't find it. <laughs> um, but uh, that's my experience with video games, is that I will play for a while, and then I get bored, and I I put it down, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll play that again soon, and it never, it never happens. happens. Right. Um, but I did what, I played Silent Hill for a couple hours the other night. I got to the school, Mm-hmm. uh that's about as far as i got um i was running around the school like uh it, becoming disturbed at um something that probably played differently then which was um there are handgun bullets everywhere in this elementary school right um and i'm double tapping uh mutant hell children in an elementary school right in this game and i'm like something doesn't feel right about this anymore um but i saw the the shadow babies and i was like and i remembered my friend like shrieking every time one of those things popped up right and you uh, i remember back then he would try to kill them because they but you can't kill them they actually don't do anything they just wander around but you know but you know we'd fire bullets at it after bullet after bullet after bullet of course i play on easy because i'm i'm lazy yeah i suck at i suck at video games so like i used to always play it with like cheat codes for health at least yeah 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 so you play on easy it's like almost impossible to die Right. But right. um, but yeah, I was playing it and I was and I had a good time with it. But um, what occurred to me was that it was like you have the and what and where it does uh, kind of uh, crosses into the film territories. I'm like, this is how you and why I think it's probably one of the best, uh, if not the best video game adaptation I've ever seen, at the very least, mm-hmm. is that this is how you do that kind of adaptation, which is you take the basic premise Right. And the overall atmosphere and you, what you have with Silent Hill is a fairly weak story. Um, yeah. You know, it's it, the video game is not the, all that complex. I mean, it has complexities, no. mostly in, as Anastasia put it, the symbology or um, themes, but its story is relatively str- simple and straightforward. Right. Um, so what do you do with a film where you have to actually uh, create an engaging story? And it's like, well, you expand certain aspects. Uh, mm-hmm. But while maintaining the the general atmosphere of the video game, um, which is what Silent Hill is all about, is atmosphere. Right. You're supposed to be playing this thing loud and, mm-hmm. you know, in surround sound, you know, trying, you know, navigating this mysterious encounter, uh, as Christoph Gantz called it, a nightmare. Right. You're living in a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. And um, 
it works really well. Uh, but you know, I would just also get annoyed because I couldn't find the damn those birds would come at me and I'd have to yeah spin okay. around over right. and over again to see if I could figure out how to shoot one. Um after I finally just run from them, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just run from the pterodactyl things. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I probably could have done that, but I just shot them. I mean, like, right. but um, eventually I started figuring out if I could back my up my back myself up against the wall. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get behind me, so I could shoot them. So I would right. do that. Um, but I would still kill those things because it annoyed the hell out of me every time. Yeah. The first time I encountered one, that first time in the diner, I couldn't figure out how to shoot the gun, so it killed me. And so after oh, that, right. I had a, I really wanted to kill all of them. So I, I kept, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to kill every single one of these birds. Um, yeah, for the kids out there, like the uh, the controls of video games in 1999 were not exactly as smooth as they were. Well, and they, they wanted now. they wanted to not be smooth. You're playing yeah. right. a dad who's yeah. freaked out. Right. Yeah. Well, it's no, like I, I mentioned the... to us uh, to Nathaniel, like you know, it's 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 one of the. Uh, the features of the of survival horror games is almost broken controls you know yeah yeah but i love that sound you know, the game actually starts at your first encounter you you have to die right it's fantastic really yeah um you know you don't you don't know what you're supposed to be doing or how to do it it's just they eat you and then you wake up in the diner right but i remember the first time playing it we we're like what do we do what yeah. do we do we're like we're hammering buttons <laughs> yeah. and running yeah. away from things and it's like no you there's nothing you can do um what a what a great way to start a video game is where a horror yeah. video game is die mm-hmm. right off the bat and then you're like anything goes now you have no idea what to expect <laughs> but um but yeah so the film is this sort of this you know, really interesting uh, expansion mm-hmm. of what is ultimately a fairly simple um uh overall story uh so where do we start breaking this thing down uh anastasia you took three pages of notes so what um <laughs> what's the number one thing you want to talk about with this picture you said um, you started with you started with listing a bunch of things that you love about the film yeah. so yeah. the first thing that comes to my mind is i really love the mix of practical effects digital effects they literally had professional dancers playing mm-hmm. monsters in suits right. um and I love how they they were able to lean into things from the video game, like about how like messed up and not real things looked. And mm-hmm. so use what could on paper be called maybe not the best special effects, but it actually worked great for what they were going for. Um, so definitely that's the first thing that jumps out to me is um the mesh up of effects they do and how in with the story being what it is it works out perfectly i agree sam what do you what do you think about that uh, about the combination of the effects yeah i think they're they're applied really uh smartly and, and in a way that really complements the film um you know they know when to to use a digital um overlay and you know when to you know, go, f- you know, full practical and, and and how to blend the two items to make it more surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even even the even the scenes that, you know, are obviously green screened, like have, you know, like the first time they show like, you know, the road disappearing mm-hmm. um, and, you know, Rada Mitchell's, you know, standing there, you know, at at the precipice and it, it's obviously you know green screen and a crane and you know just everything around her is fake but uh it it works so well because it you know it adds to the surreal nature of, of the piece i think 
Absolutely. I, I, I agree. I, there are a few special effects I think that don't, that haven't aged well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I think they probably were still pretty good for 2006, but yeah. um, the, the mutant hell baby creatures uh, don't, don't quite pop the way they used to, no. I think. Um, but their but cries being, uh, are still disturbing as shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. They make a hell of a noise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some great sound design in this movie, but um uh pyramid head still works pretty well mm-hmm. um but of course it's the nurses that you know as anastasia mentioned the the dancers that are all right. uh pretty much all practical uh yeah. maybe with a little bit of digital touch-ups here and there um and it's a also great sequence the, the first monster they um encounter on the road that has like the stuff that's the, arm, the armless up, man yeah that was a dancer too in a suit right and um i i remember when this movie came out i watched like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for it and in reality the dancer does not look very different from what you end up getting on the screen Mm. so yeah it's very interesting how far they were able to go just with choreography yeah yeah and that's incredible i wish they did that more often um dancers are uh, dancing in particular um whether it be ballet or modern or anything there's a a level of control to the that these people have an extraordinary amount of control over their bodies and what they're able to do uh and it's um it's really they're able to create some really weird uh (laughs) movements uh i remember um exorcism of emily rose for example and that that Mm. 90% 90% of that, what makes that movie work was the lead actress whose name I'm going to blank on because that's how I do things. Um, she uh, was in Dexter. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, but she played the lead, but uh, they saved on money or special effects because she could actually contort right. her body in all kinds of weird shapes. And they were like, we don't know how the hell you, she did that, but it worked. <laughs> um, you know, and so when you have, you have these performers who are able to do such, have such a extraordinary control over their bodies you can create these really uncanny uh visual effects and uh it's it's a wonder they don't do that more frequently but i guess not that many stories invite that kind of thing the way right. silent most, and, and most you know cheap out and just get a bunch of stunt people in suits and to yeah. have them lumber, lumber around like you know yeah Guillermo del toro really knows like how to like the importance of doing that kind of stuff and you know yeah a few True. others but yeah Anastasia, what were you going to add? Yeah, you were going to say well, something? Well, I was thinking of, like, Suspiria, and especially mm. the recent remake, like, mm-hmm. very popular and very yeah. deep-based. Um, so there's definitely, there's an audience for it. That people appreciate it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but uh, what's, uh, what's your guys' favorite gag in this movie? I mean, uh, maybe other than the dancer, uh, than the, uh, nurses but what's your favorite right. effects gag in this movie um i think the thing that keeps coming to my mind is when she's in the school and things are going to hell and mm-hmm. she's running um she starts going down to a staircase and she's seeing corpses hanging in the middle of the staircase right. and they look very real and it makes me think about when you're playing the video game they also have bodies in similar situations but you know you're playing a video game you're like oh there's a body hanging there whatever yeah right right in this game they really did like 
they put it in the forefront. It's in front of you. She's going behind the bodies a lot of the time. And she's even stopping like, oh my gosh. Like you can see her reacting to it. So for a second, it just made me be like, oh, wow. She's really going through it in a way that um, nothing else really got through to me. Yeah. 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 Oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to jump off of that in a second, but Sam, what's yours before we do? Um, I want, I would definitely want to talk about Rodha Mitchell's heroic performance in this movie. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. Um, my favorite gag is uh, the janitor. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. the janitor monster is just, you know, disturbing in all the right ways and yeah. unearthly and, you know, uh, is used to really show the effect of, um, of evil upon, upon this area. And, mm. um, how things a lot of a lot of you learn a lot about the rules of the universe in in that short little sequence yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah you know, i remember up, when i first saw this where where you know his his touch causes like cancer to grow on the walls and stuff, yeah he corrupts you know? he, corrupt, he corrupts the right. environment around him yeah uh that's actually uh, did you guys see this in the theaters when it came out yes yes yeah yeah, it. yeah. that was actually the moment in the when i was watching the film uh in theaters that it clicked for me was right. the janitor that's when i was like all right i'm actually watching something because i think my a friend of mine and i um who i had actually watched play part of silent hill 2 right. uh, a roommate of mine back in back in the early 2000s we went to see the film together and he um and we both were, were going in kind of expecting a you know expecting doom you know yeah, yeah. uh you know we were expecting a, a video game adaptation that wasn't going to be anywhere near as good as the game uh it's probably going to be goofy it's probably not going to follow the game that closely. Right. And we're watching it going, oh, this looks like the game. And we're into it. But it was the janitor where I went, oh, okay. We're actually, yeah. we're going somewhere with this. Right. This isn't just, uh, uh, as Christoph Gans kind of puts it in his inter- in his interview where he talks about, you know, this isn't just a video game adaptation. This isn't right. just a horror movie. This is a nightmare. Like, I'm actually creating mm-hmm. something, um, you know, I'm going to create something that's a, that goes a little further than right. uh than you might think it would go and so i was that was the moment that i was like all right i'm watching something that's that's really working yeah uh but yeah it's a, it's a great scene uh and it's just, it's disturbing both visually but it's also disturbing when you understand what's going on right uh you know you get a little bit of the backstory and you realize what this guy you know who he was you know it's it's it has all of as you put it all the right ways it just yeah. really does uh it does work um it's a great scene um, and, uh, the effect it's, it's so such an interesting visual that you don't even really, um, notice how I think the, um, the environmental change effect isn't that great, right? but yeah. you don't care because that yeah. scene is, is working so well that you're just sort of like, that's not what you're looking at anyway. Yeah. You're looking at right. this, this creature who is making these horrible noises, uh, yeah. and you know, these streaks of both pain, but it's right out of Hellraiser, really. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's yeah. it's uh, it's both uh, you know, sexual and pain at the right. same time. You know, he's you know he's uh, suffering, but he doesn't quite hate it. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> so it uh, you know it's uh, it has this whole perverse aspect that really does lend itself well to what Silent Hill is because if Silent Hill is anything, it's perverse. Yeah, you know, it's all about perversity. It's all about perverting the um american dream really the small town right. americana uh which is why both christoph gans and um the creators of the game were like we have to set this in the united states no matter what we do yeah um doesn't play 
elsewhere otherwise you know uh they they said they couldn't make silent hill the game take place in japan because it wouldn't mm-hmm. translate the story needed to be right american and they were inspired by stephen king apparently it's um silent hill maine apparently yeah. which is you know that's where i come from maine so i didn't know that until like five six years ago mm-hmm. and then i read about it and i'm like oh yeah it's supposed to be silent hill maine and i'm like one, oh, okay. one of my favorite useless silent hill one facts is that they uh the school is based on the school kindergarten, kindergarten cop. Yeah. 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 Oh. How much more American can you get for that from the net? Cause they had a, you know, a copy of the film and it had a lot of good shots of the school, you know? So. Yeah. Absolutely. Just imitated. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right down to some of the posters. Yeah. Yeah. They're right out of silent hill, uh, right out of kindergarten cop. Yeah. Right. Um, but in this case, it was a tumor. Right. It was a tumor. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, let's let's talk about Rodon Mitchell because Anastasia brought it up. Um, yeah. You know, the uh, Rodon Mitchell's reactions to a lot of the effects stuff, um, much of which she's probably not actually looking at. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, there are moments in this film where I realize Rodon Mitchell, I, I feel like Rodon Mitchell's about to kind of lose it, where um, you can kind of tell, especially towards the end when she's doing a lot of talking to the cult. Um, right. that I feel like Rodney Mitchell's there's a, mo- a couple of moments where I think you can see the light in the back of Rodney Mitchell's mind going like this is really silly um <laughs> I gotta try to hold on to this because it's not the greatest script I've ever read uh, ever no read. no you know it's a lot of the dialogue is very very stilted it's very strange uh especially towards the end of the film the, the last act where yeah. they have to Everyone try to speech at each other at the last but act. they have to yeah they have to try to get a story into this thing right. by the end of it um so they're like, uh, there's a lot of yelling and a lot of yelling of, of what seemed to be or supposed to be um, like aphorisms that we're aware of. But I've never heard them before this movie. I've never heard them since. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, mother is God in the eyes of a child. Sounds like it's something that we've heard before, but it's not. I don't think I've ever heard that. Have you it, heard was that the the it was in the was crow. It was in the crow. Yeah. Mother oh, okay. Is, is, is I said, did you ever hear that God, one? The Growing of children. I, this came out when I was in high school, so I don't even no. know. Looking back at this now, I would know the difference. But no. I did. I wrote that one down because I was like, "That's such a specific thing to say." Right. And also, there's a part where Sybil, they're walking to the motel, I think, and Sybil's like, "They used to say this place is haunted." I think they were right, but she says it in like such a specific way, mm. and I'm like, "Is this referring to something?" Yeah. Like I know what they're talking about yeah i, th- well, mother, I mother thought is- that was laurie holdman was was the one who said that line about oh, it being haunted it was she said sybil yeah. okay oh, i'm sorry the character of sybil I, yeah sorry sorry I I heard you. yep yeah no we got to try to learn better uh, using character names versus actor names right but um so you know we should call right on mitchell rose but i'm going to call right. it right on mitchell anyway but yep. um but no actually the character of sybil even in her death scene says mama be with me Right. as she's being as she's burning up which is again a very specific thing to say um yeah. it's uh but it, it it's a it goes in line with mother is god in the eyes of a child which yeah. uh, but i was like i don't think anybody has ever actually naturally said that um in any way shape or form so it's a little weird but it works because everybody's so committed and that's what right. that's what i'm getting at is that Radha mitchell as a performer there are definitely times where you feel like the convictions wavering but she's still in right uh and Rana mitchell is a, a phenomenal actor she's been she's been in everything uh she's she's uh 
an indie darling in many ways. Yep. She was uh, she was in a lot of independent cinema in the nineties, um, a lot of street cred. Uh, that when they announced this movie and they said, "Well, Rada Mitchell's playing lead," I went, "Really, Rada right. Mitchell? She's doing she's going to do a Hollywood uh, a Hollywood horror film?" Okay, um, and but she nails it. I mean, and this is where you could get a great actor to do this type of role. Uh, what you get is something quite magical, which is an actor who's fully committed uh, to utilizing right. all of her skills in a movie that for a script that probably wasn't up to par with what she was capable of doing. Um, so there are moments uh, in particular at the end where I was like, you know, God bless you, Rada Mitchell. You are just nailing this. <laughs> and I could tell it's not easy, you know, Um and so what do you guys think about Rada Mitchell's performance in this movie? Like what, what stands out to you specifically or any specific moments in the film that you were like, you know, uh, she's nailing it. Um, the things that stand out to me are very physical. Like I mentioned um, when you brought up doing this show, doing this episode and I was like, me, please. <laughs> um, one of the things I mentioned was like, literally this character and Rhonda Mitchell are like a fashion influence on me because she is both somehow able to always be feminine, but be very strong and capable. And her movements, like at times she's like almost tripping, but it's not like she's incapable or um, fragile. Um, she's getting stuff done constantly. Right. So I always really liked her physical performance in the film. Um, I don't know. The writing for some of the lines is not the best. Like, mm -hmm. I did also notice, like, a lot of the times, like, both Rose and her husband, Chris, they seem to get in fights with everyone. Like, everyone they see, they end up yelling at and stuff. And I'm like, what? Why? What? This suburban couple is just fist fighting everybody they can. Right. Um <laughs> But they're both Rada and Sean Bean are really good physical actors. So you're like, you believe that they're actually fighting all these people. You're like, okay. Right. Um, so yeah, her physical acting is probably what stands out the most to me. I, I agree. I love um there's a there's a moment in this movie that I don't see I you don't see very often, which is dealing with handcuffs. Mm -hmm. And she has that wonderful uh get down on one knee and try to pull mm -hmm. it underneath her um and uh you know no, most movies uh you know you probably just cut away or just we just assume yeah. or the, they just wouldn't have bothered the cop would have just handcuffed her in the front you know right. just to make life easy uh instead we actually have a sequence in which she actually strains to actually mm -hmm. get her hands free um it's a but great she's been moment. in a lot of brawls at applebee's at 2 a.m you know I yeah think, <laughs> over the yeah. years well i but the thing is it's to anastasia's point about the physicality of the performance um right where um uh this is a this is not a woman who's gotten fights at applebee's at 2 a.m it's a woman right. who <laughs> wants to save her kid yeah yeah you know she she is this determined to find yeah. her child that you know to do something that i don't know if you've ever been in handcuffs i've been in handcuffs no. yep um really painful and they're very difficult to maneuver uh you mm -hmm. think you you look at these in movies and you think oh they can't be that hard to get to get out of or get in front of you they're right. really hard yeah. um that's kind and, of their point you know yeah yeah that's kind of their, their, their that's their design you're not supposed to be able to easily get around it but um i've been in handcuffs it's not um i've been in handcuffs both uh both by police and you know 
Right. But we get it. They don't. Yeah. But they don't. <laughs> um, they don't. Uh, they're not easy to get around. And so I, I always appreciate seeing that in a movie where, uh, as Anastasia put it, a woman who's also remains lovely and feminine. Right. In a in this in this environment, but is being is showing that determination, showing that physical capability. Um, right. Is really extraordinary. But what about you, Sam? What what about uh, Ronald Mitchell's uh, performance stands out to you? Um, just her doggedness. I mean, you know, she's mm. she's reacting to all these things around her and, you know, being horrified and, you know, freaked out by it. But she never like, you know, flinches away from it. She just keeps going forward. Um, you know, that shows like the strength in her, her character that, you know, it's just, you know, really admirable. And the way she plays it like that is, I, I think, absolutely the right choice. Um, you know, she's yeah. never like shrinking violent from all this, you know, craziness going on around her. You know, she's she got has, a moment. She's got the one breakdown. Yeah. Right. The, the script allows the one moment of weakness where she, she uh, which is also, I noted, it's one of my favorite bits because... It cut. Uh, it cuts back and forth between her and Sean Bean, right? In the two different realities, Sean Bean's yelling her name and is is freaking out. He's trying to mm-hmm. find her. She doesn't yell her husband's name, right? Um, she's not thinking of him the no, way he's right. thinking of her. She's just having a breakdown. She just yeah. has a breakdown. I can't do this. And then she says, and then then she picks herself back up. But I love that. I love that. It's uh, it goes in line with what Christoph Gans was saying. Was um, something I learned today. That originally this script did not involve Sean Bean, right? At all, it was just all women. It was yeah. all women from start right. to finish. Um, which you can see if you watch the film, and you're like, "Oh yeah, okay, this is all." I women. mean, there, there's barely men in it. There right. barely are. They, he was forced to add uh, both um, Sean Bean and Kim Coates, right? To the narrative. which, if you're if you're forced to add men to your to your to your movie, those are good choices. I think you're doing <laughs> something right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that this one of the things that um, it's interesting to me that this movie is so well regarded by its uh, by the fandom of the game because mm-hmm. we all know video game fans aren't exactly, you know, fond of right. sharing, yeah, uh, things like gender in their uh, main character, right? right? Up between the father and the mother, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they swap it where the game is is a male lead. Uh, video right. game video game fans don't usually take kindly to that kind of thing yeah most of like the pushback that i remember like at the time even like uh, uh, about this movie from the fan base was that they changed the cult you know to a christian cult instead of a, a dumb no, yeah. cult you know um, yeah. yeah i guess if we're gonna talk about pushback like the pushback i have as like a fan is mm-hmm. i don't think it really makes sense for pyramid head or the nurses no no because they're the second game but yeah they're the second game and they are specific to like the care the character of the second game right um so i do i think especially the nurses come off really weird because they are very sexual characters right um, and they're in like a hospital with a dying child right (laughs) and like other characters going through it versus i don't want to spoil the second game uh even though it's like 20 years old now but that that's like a married couple going through some things including illness of one of them so like they're being sexualized nurses is very different yeah Um, yeah yeah and yep. in the first game, it was just parasite nurses, like they had parasites yeah. growing out of their backs or, or something, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah there um, 
They definitely weren't the hyper-sexualized ones. Right. That I never about. much had a problem with the changes, like use it, including the car- mm-hmm. the the monsters from Silent Hill 2, because like mm-hmm. I, those are what you want to see. Those are the iconic yeah. monsters from, had, from the series. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine at that point um, they would have gotten away without it. Like, right. The fandom would have been like, well, where is where are these iconic yeah. images from the uh, from the series? Because they're uh, even though they have nothing to do with the first game. Uh, I always interpreted the nurses in the in the first film as um, mm-hmm. the the woman Alessa couldn't be, you know. Yeah, um, that, that makes sense. Uh, be, having not really been that familiar with them. Uh, with the game uh, lore at that time, the right. film watching it when I was like, you know, I, okay, maybe this is supposed to be, you know, if we're talking about w- uh, womanhood in this movie and motherhood and femininity and growing up where Alessa has uh, been robbed of all of that, I could buy, um, yeah. you know, the sexualized nurses as her guardians, as the, the woman, she, the woman she can't be, but the woman she is all at the same time, you know, she's mm-hmm. a monster, what have you. Um and um but yeah i mean it's it's it is interesting i had forgotten all about that they weren't in the first game yeah um pyramid head is just cool though right yeah I mean, <laughs> you get that gag of him ripping a lady's skin off of with the lady's you know, skin you know, off you know, yeah right um it is, it is so funny that in a movie with pyramid head literally ripping a woman's skin off in front of a church he's not the demon right <laughs> they talk yeah. about demon and they're like ignore him right ignore yeah him half naked giant man with a giant sword he's yeah. he's not of consequence <laughs> right yeah borrowing uh clouds uh impractical uh <laughs> weapon choices right. from uh yeah, yeah. Final fantasy, um yeah. Final fantasy um yeah what an image though i mean um uh, they uh, the Silent Hill creators are definitely had uh a knack for that mm-hmm. and so to to borrow it for this film i'm i'm like yeah whatever sure i don't need him to make mm-hmm. sense um i need him to be cool um but um oh to be fair if you, i was playing silent hill and i'm like pterodactyls don't make sense either but no. you know um but um or weird mutant infant baby creatures i don't know what those are supposed to be either uh, according to um symbolic creation Uh-oh. oh i don't remember there isn't like explanations for oh, that right. but... no okay um, I, thought, I thought they represented the kids that that bullied her, you know. No, oh, yeah, okay, I buy that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like most of Silent Hill, I can just accept um, what's happening on screen simply because of the nature of Silent Hill. Like, I'm just like, right. whatever, we'll throw whatever weird shit you want at it. Um, it all makes sense because it, none of it makes sense. So, um, and that's but, I think a really good story in a really good world where. Yeah. You you can just get into it. You don't have to necessarily understand all the analysis to get to get value from it. Right, right, right. Not everything. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, um, and um, and sometimes I think Silent Hill is just Silent Hill. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, and I dig that about it. I mean, I think there's something there is something high minded about Silent Hill, but at the same time, there's very much something that's very surface and it's very um mm-hmm. it's i i don't want to say superficial but it's mm-hmm. um it's just on the uh, it's just not, it's wearing itself on its sleeve like there's there's a lot of really really great uh you know even david lynch it's one of the influences i mean sometimes he's just like you know why is there a guy dancing in the hallway in the beginning of twin peaks 
he thought it was interesting. Right. Um, you know, uh, there's no, not everything has deeper meaning. Sometimes I just want to throw shit in there. Um, and I, I dig that about silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Anastasia, what else was on your list? What's, uh, what, what's another, um, uh, so I guess strong female characters, that was also something that I've always really loved about this movie between Rose and Sybil and then right. pretty much everything everyone is run by women and the men are just running around um obsessed with what the women are doing um it's it's the opposite of the bechdel test right yeah two men talking about women all the time right this is the perfect bechdel test (laughs) and then they french him in the next movie yeah (laughs) so yeah no this is all about women um i've also I don't know. Maybe this is just coming from me as a bisexual woman. I've always viewed it as a little queer coded. Um, oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. There, I mean, there's this mom who is like, she doesn't even tell her husband what she's going to do. She just fucks off with her kid. And like, it's a weird choice to make to like take your kid off to an abandoned city. Yep. Um, right. But she doesn't even tell her husband. And then she, she only talks to her husband because he turns off the credit cards. And she's mad at him. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, she does say she could use help from him a couple of times. Um, but yeah, so she she's definitely like, you know what? I have my found family, her maid family. She has her daughter who she's adopted. Right. And that is of higher value to her than any man will ever be. Um, and then I think, I mean, Sybil, the haircut alone. the Right. The outfit and the haircut alone are screaming queer coding. Um, and yeah, the fact that these two women are valuing things that like a very male society doesn't normally value. Like they're valuing children to the mm. degree they would literally die for these children. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So though that's the other thing that I've always taken from this movie is that it's very strong female leads and queer coded with them i definitely agree i think that there's more than one uh moment between uh rose and sybil that suggests uh a little bit of a uh if not a sexual attraction then a then a a a romantic bond i think Mm -hmm. to a degree um uh but also i mean sybil is such a phenomenal character um uh, mm-hmm. I love uh, every time I watch it, I get more and more impressed by her, um, especially at the end. Uh, she's about to die. And mm-hmm. still at the end of the day, her last her still her last thoughts are, is the kid going to be OK? Right. Um, which is such a, you know, is is trying to reassure the child. Your mother's coming. She's coming for you, like with with determination, like your mother yeah. is going to make it um, and you're going to be OK even though she's going to die and she does a lot. They do allow still much like they did with Rhonda Mitchell and her one breakdown mm-hmm. in that scene. They do allow one or two moments of Sybil to finally be like, Oh fuck. And I think she <laughs> says, Oh fuck. Yeah. I'm about to die. Um, there's no way out of this. Um, it's such a, uh, and then of course you have the, the, the great conversation between the two men in which uh, detective Gucci tells him like, if you're, if, if, uh Sybil is out there she's gonna find your kid right like he's like without a doubt and he tells a little, little bit of backstory of uh you know she uh was in a drain pipe with a, a ducted child for three days mm-hmm. keeping the kid alive um 
what a story. And it tells us everything you know about Sybil. Right. Within a, you know, um, but uh, it's um, also she has the, one of my favorite cop moments in any movie ever at the beginning of this thing. When she first shows up, <laughs> she walks up to the car <laughs> and the little and uh, and little girl uh, roll, says, don't talk to strangers and rolls up the window. And she smiles and says, good girl. Right. Like, I love that moment. And I cannot tell you why, for if really, uh, it just makes me smile every time because I'm like, that's amazing. Right. You know, um, there's a, it's just an amazing little bit of character work. Um, but yeah, um, Sam, what do you think about the uh, strong female character, queer coding point and uh, Sybil? Um, Sybil's, you know, uh, one of the few things that made it over from the first game. So, I, you know, I'm a fan of that. Um, and she was a love interest right right yeah she was love interest you know in that um as well Uh, i think one of the uh one of the endings of the first game is you get you get to leave you know silent hill with her um so i i think it's um definitely on point to 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 say that this you know this is kind of a queer coded character now now that they've you know changed it to a woman as the lead um I just think Laurie Holden is doing a great job here, and uh, we didn't get to. <laughs> sorry, Laurie Holden. Sorry, Laurie yeah. Holden. We'll have to um, rename. Uh, rename also, uh, sorry, Daryl Hannah too. Sorry, Laurie she's, Holden. She's a yeah. great character actress who always, yeah. you know, puts in a good performance, and uh, and this one, I think she's pretty memorable. Yeah, if not her one of her most memorable performances. Right. Um, it's actually incredible that I didn't connect that she was in the mist. That there was the mm-hmm. same actor, and I watched these two movies week back to like, back over one right. week. Yeah, um, for it, some reason it didn't occur to me they were the same person. Yeah, it's a haircut; it just changes everything. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. they're very different characters too. I right. mean, and maybe that's what it really is: is a testament to Lori Holden's ability as an actor that she actually the became these characters. Yeah, you know, uh, became a different uh, became a different person. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, she does some wonderful uh heroic moments in this picture um you know uh again uh, another great example of um much like the janitor scene uh that um the performance of rada mitchell and Lori holden at one point actually distracts the fact that the bugs look like shit too right. um yeah they you know uh that's we don't the even effect question that didn't it. hold up at all yeah yeah um uh, it 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 still Although works it that scene i don't works. remember being that impressed with it even then no i don't no. think it was I don't think the bugs were very good ever. Right. <laughs> but I was watching you worse now, you know. Yeah, but I mean, but my point is that I'm like, I don't even care. Right. Uh, yeah. The two actors are are selling the hell out of these bugs, yeah. um, and they're not there. <laughs> There's right. No actual bug. Um, I think most of that scene is uh, in a green screen. I think even with the sword mm-hmm. coming in, right, uh, oh, and attacking them, it's all on green screen. Um, you know what? they did actually have something going back and forth like i think i saw some yeah. footage of them filming okay. it but they it, i mean because that scene is right. so busy there's the fan in the background there's the bugs coming through like half of that stuff isn't real like you're saying right. there's no well even the real stuff isn't real i mean you know it's 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 such an unreal environment that they're in that mm-hmm. you know everything anything could look like it's you know been cg even if it's it was actually there on yeah set. absolutely yeah you know nowadays they would do like the mandalorian thing where they have that big 360 green screen and everything would be just you know projected onto it 
Right, right. You know, poor Ian McKellen. Right. You know, yeah, uh, he cried you know, his eyes out. What have I become? Right. Um, but yeah, the um, but no, it's just it's uh, it, it's it's always kind of remar- It's always remarkable to me when we mm-hmm. see a couple of uh, of actors who are able to just uh sell the hell out of a uh, uh effects work that you know just isn't right. there. Um, and uh, in in just to to inhabit the, that moment without that um you know, tactile, uh, trying to think of the right word, uh, you know, um, input, you know, sensory input, you know, it's not the word I was thinking of, but it works. Yeah. It's sensory input. Um, you know, there's, there's always a difference between reacting to something in front of you and then pretending you're reacting to something in front of you. Um, and, um, so it's always amazing to me when actors like Rada Mitchell or Lori Holden here are, are doing the work they're doing here. Um, uh let's talk about um alice krieg um a uh a phenomenal character actor right um and um i love by the way that this movie has both alice krieg and deborah kara unger because in many ways uh they're the one you can you get when you can't get the other one Um, so you've got both of them in this film um but usually it's like if you can't get alice creek you go get deborah Kerr unger right you can't get deborah Kerr unger you go get alice creek um and uh, alice creek we talked about before yeah uh, way back with sleepwalkers where i was like i don't know why i am as attracted to alice creek as i am um she's a force of goddamn nature she is a force of goddamn nature (laughs) and you're right power power talent are sexy ladies and gentlemen and uh and non-binary she's got both you know and yeah, she's got all of it going. But yeah. uh, Anastasia, what do you think about Alice Creek? Um, I'm bad with names. Could you remind me who she plays? Christabella. Uh, uh, Christabella. Yeah, the okay. villain, yeah. Um, I mean, I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. she's. I I think the funny thing is, like, she has reactions that you don't expect, but she really sells it. Like after the lady gets her skin ripped off by Pyramid Head. Her mom's like, oh my God, these outsiders got my daughter killed. And then Chris right. is like, uh, your daughter went out on her own. These yeah, strangers right. are not responsible for her. What? Yeah. And like, that's not at all what you think the weird cult leader would do. No. But she sells it really well. Mm. Um, there's also the scene in the hospital uh, where... Mm. Sybil like um takes one for the team and gets beaten up um to let Rose go. Um right. Christabella basically is like, oh, so I pickpocketed you to Rose. Right. Like, here's yeah. your here's your necklace back that I stole from you. And like again, not something you think that Colt Lear would A be pickpocketing people herself or B be like just returning it. Well, I thought um, she yeah. was returning it as a as as a, a pretense to show that you know, oh look, you know, your daughter is the devil. You know, I thought she was honestly responding in that moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought she saw the picture right then in that moment and freaked right. out. Good Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, you could be right. Um, the the Christabella is a very uh, mercurial character, I think, <laughs> and um, and she does sell it as a. Um, it's a rare thing, uh, maybe not that rare, but, um, it's an interesting aspect of, of, uh, character actors who play villains and how they approach villains. Uh, and in this case, I think it's one of those cases in which 
um, the villain doesn't think they're the villain. Right. Yeah. You know? oh, um, yeah. And Christabella thinks she's the hero of this story. Um, and uh, although she suspects that maybe she's right. not, which is what sells it, especially when the comeuppance begins. Uh, she has that moment of looking around at her congregation and realizing they're st- she's starting to lose control. And there's a wonderful moment of her kind of st- uh, stuttering over her line, um, you know, of trying to get everybody back on her on her side. Right. Um, but yeah, she's uh, she's an extraordinary actor, um, yeah. without a doubt. Sam, what's your take on uh, on her performance in this film? Well, one of the uh, things I, I trivia bits I've, I've found on this one was that um, she was so commanding in her uh, on set that uh, people were just listening to her even when the cameras weren't rolling. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that says about all, all you need to say about I her, totally buy that. her performance. Yeah. You know, like yeah. she's just so, you know, you know, very much the uh head bitch in charge in, the, in this yeah. uh this yeah. scenario. And um she knows it. Um I think it's a I think it's a wonderful performance that uh is a total is is playing the same kind of villain as we saw last week, but uh, in a totally different way. Agreed. Um, yeah, you know, because we had last week we had the uh, Mrs. Carmody, Mrs. Carmody's, you know, yeah. the religious nut character in the mist. Yeah, um, playing you know a similar role but in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you could almost see like if, if Mrs. Carmody had been doing it for years and years and years, she would have morphed into this character. Yeah, in many ways, yeah. Silent Hill is probably what would have happened if the mist never ended. Right. Yeah. Um, except with weird animal creatures instead of like pyramid. Silent. Right. Well, as if the mist never ended. Yeah. 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 It's um in so yeah, you get the the cult is what's mm-hmm. left after all these years of uh, where everybody else is dead but them. Although they're dead too, supposedly, right. I guess. And but, yeah. you know, they're not stupid. This cult isn't stupid. They really survived this entire time. They've they've come up with systems and workarounds, you know. Yeah. And you know, I think that's mostly at her behest and, and her direction, you know. Yeah, you definitely get the impression she's a hell of a leader. Yeah. Right. Even though she's batshit insane and, yeah. and evil. But yeah, right. she's clearly uh she's clearly got it under control. Yeah. Well, I mean, they... One thing that's not brought up too much in the movie, other than like the symbols and all these buildings, and you see it on the school, is this cult has been going on for a long time. Like right. that's a big deal in the game of like this is something that this town has been involved in for a very long time. It's mm-hmm. part of their culture, it's part of their way of life. Um, so yeah, she's definitely in charge, but at the same time, like the cult didn't spring up around the tragedy. The tragedy is tied up with the cults. Right. That's actually a very, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, the, this whole thing happened as a result of them being wackos. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and murdering a child. Um, right. And that uh, ultimately causing uh, their purgatorial existence. Um, but they've navigated purgatorial existence very yeah. well. Yeah. Um, they, you would think that would be very it. difficult. Yeah. You think that would be pretty difficult, but uh, they pull it off somehow. And they don't seem like the most uh, uh, inspiring bunch. Uh, yeah. uh, they're not, uh, they don't, I mean, obviously the only one we could spend any time with is, uh, was it Alice? And she's not very bright. Oh, Anna. Yeah. Um, Anna. Anna. Yeah. Um, Anna. And she's not very bright. 
and as NSA put it, she, she actually broke the rules. So it's kind of weird that she would right. do that. But um, so, yeah, it's interesting that uh, that uh, Christabella has managed to pull this all together with clearly not the best and brightest of Silent Hill's population. But um, but yeah, um, Anastasia, what else is on your in your notes? What? Uh, well, the last big thing I have is like the okay. whole movie is very dreamlike quality. There's mm-hmm. so many times when you're like, did the dream start now? Did the dream start now? Um, you know, we start with a sleepwalking scene where the um, where the daughter Sharon is sleepwalking, um, and then when Sharon and Rose leave to go to Silent Hill, they like stop and take a nap in a field. Right. Very strange. I'm like, what? Who would do this? Um, and then yeah, there's so many times when Rose like she passes out in the car accident. She passes out. The first time she's attacked by monsters, she's just, she's packing out a lot of time. And so between that, the very ethereal music, um, the fact that clearly like the world um, the husband is in is not matching up with their world. Like there's this very dreamlike unreal quality to the film. Right. Definitely. Um, what um, what about that uh, intrigues you as much, or do you, what, or uh, what's your um, what's your general take on that? Like what? Um, uh, it's nice vibes. Um, I like the vibes of it, <laughs> but also like it kind of helps me forgive a lot of the weirdness. Like you're talking about the cult. How did the cult survive all this time? Well, it's it's a nightmare. They're in a nightmare. Right. Um, it doesn't. Dream logic doesn't have to make sense. Um, so even though there's, I think, especially with the end of the movie, it's like, what, what's happening? What? But it's, it's a dream. So it's fine. It's, it's right. totally fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. What do you make of the ending? Uh, it doesn't quite track for me, but um, uh, especially when you try to tie the sequel into it. But I mean, like what? Well, uh, let's not, let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's, next, that's next week. Right. Um but um, but yeah, the uh, the the idea of like uh, leaving Silent Hill, but still maintaining the the, the fog world, the fog world. Right. Um, it it doesn't quite, and like Alessa switching places with Rose or, or inhabiting Rose or possessing Rose, um, none of that. Uh, I, again, it only works because I'm accepting anything by that point. Right. Um, in fact, uh, it, one of the things I love about the climax of this film is it's a brain breaker. Like you just go mad. Um, uh, Alessa's vengeance, uh, you know, like uh, Christabella being uh, penetrated by mm-hmm. a by barbed wire, right. and then um, Jodell Furlan skipping through the blood. Which <laughs> is just, just um, a badass moment. All of it. It's. Yeah. Uh, it, I remember seeing it theater. My friend Ray actually began to to laugh hysterically. He was just literally Same. broken. He just started, he yeah. just, his mind went for a moment, uh, just unable to grasp. I was laughing because it, it was looking. cool. I, yeah. I was laughing because it was cool, but not because I, I, but there, it's a moment that yeah. it, it's a moment where this, and there's a few in this movie. We talked about a couple of them, uh, uh, pyramid head ripping off, uh, and his skin, right. uh, uh, the, the janitor, uh, where this movie goes way harder than it has to. Right. Um, and that's one of them. So, I mean, after that, though, so it's like after those moments, I feel like I can accept anything. And so the ending of this film, I'm like, I don't know if this makes any sense, but I don't care. 
because right. I've had a good time watching this insanity unfold. Uh, even uh, like Anastasia mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the bodies in the foreground of some of those scenes of, of Rose walk, running around Silent Hill didn't have to be that grisly. It didn't right. have to be oh. that hard. They were, though. Like, yeah. they, they were just like, no, 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 no. We're making Silent Hill. So we're going to go that hard yeah, uh, I mean, sporadically. That is grisly. Mm. Tangled up body and barbed wire crawling right. at you. Like, yeah. It, this movie goes so hard that, yeah, at the end, when it's just ethereal music and fog mm -hmm. and confused Sean Bean, you're like, whatever. Right. <laughs> I, I liked, I liked the melody. Of, of the ending like it, it's i remember when i saw it the first time i was like oh so they didn't actually like complete the side quest that you needed to get the good ending you know <laughs> okay, okay yeah no i totally buy that uh, right you know you got the you got the bad plus ending you know yeah no that that is the feel it gives though from a video game perspective that we did not get the true ending with this right. one and i think part of it is because they must they shifted the cults um, mm -hmm. to a Christian cult, right? And they—I don't think they quite knew what to do with that. No. Um, I don't think. That, I mean, in the video game, it's they're trying to give birth to their demon god, right? Right. And, and when they totally drop that part off, they don't really. It seems like they just didn't know how to end things out. I think you might be right. There is something. There is something uh, incomplete. Uh, I think about the ending of this film that yeah. makes it makes me believe they weren't really quite sure what to do um, screenwriting wise. Um, Roger Avery, the screenwriter, is mostly famous for uh, collaborating with Tarantino. Um, right. uh, he wrote the he has a story by credit on Pulp Fiction. He came up with the idea of the stories and Tarantino mm -hmm. wrote the script. Um, so maybe Avery is more of an idea man um mm -hmm. and uh maybe that it didn't quite pan out for it at the end of the picture uh that maybe they really didn't know what to do um yeah. they just knew they had to get out somehow um but um but kudos to them for not i mean they could have copped out and either done you know the downer ending where everybody dies or right. or the happy ending where yeah. okay rose and and uh and and sharon get out and they go home and uh, they have a nice life with Sean Bean. Um, yeah. Neither one of those would have worked either. They wouldn't have felt right. Um, I, I think if Rose had lost, it wouldn't feel right. Right. Uh, but if Rose had completely won, it wouldn't have felt right. Yeah, there's um, no real way out of this movie. Like, that, yeah. well, that, that's obvious. In the game, it's very similar in a way. Because mm -hmm. like true ending in the game is basically like, the guy loses his daughter, but he gains a weird baby. Right. So, it, yeah, there's no like, ending where he saves his daughter, if I remember, remember correctly. Yeah. So it's like he still loses. And I mean, at the point where you concede that Sharon is Alessa, you can't really leave with Sharon. Like, it doesn't, yeah. it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. And the argument, the theme of this movie is sort of like uh, Alessa's kind of in the right here mm -hmm. um uh it's like freddy krueger if freddy krueger was innocent you right. know to begin with it's uh you know uh and there is something to that idea that makes things very interesting um uh morally where it's it's something that rada mitchell plays um but it's never said out loud uh she plays it with the performance which is wait a minute what am i doing 
Um, right. Am I am I going to actually endorse Alessa's vengeance? And then decides, yeah, I am, because she she's basically my kid. So fuck these people. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. gonna let I'm gonna let Alessa kill all of them. Um, and there's that moment, a real horror moment, where they and they they crank up the organ, really that um, that wonderful. Yeah. Uh, where Alyssa comes out of the ground and even her mother says, what have you become? Right. Um, but, but we're kind of on her side at that point. Like, oh, for sure. Our, yeah, Rose has, Rose has hitched her wagon to that. So we're with her Rose. So we're on board. But what we're realizing, what we're cheering on is a massacre of yeah. people that maybe right. they're not good people, but we're kind of like, yeah, go for it. Um, you know, I, I, to interject, I yeah. think that, ending of the like burn it all down ending is very queer code mm-hmm. well because it's these characters saying what has society done for me all right. they've done is judge me and hurt me so there is a bit of the like let's just take vengeance then oh totally yeah, yeah. i mean you have a you have someone who has been ostracized for being different mm-hmm. from a uh what we've established is a you know a christian very christian um uh society so I think that you're onto something there. I think that there is something uh, the universal outsider to Alessa, and that's what makes her something we can cheer on. Um, right. And yeah, in uh, in in the spirit of like you know Pride Month and and all of these uh, things that are the result of, let's face it, violence. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know that uh, we can kind of, especially in 2023, I think we can more than ever get behind uh, burn it all down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least let the uh, orcas the attack the yachts. Let the orcas. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, Sasha, go ahead. Sorry. Hospital bed with your barbed wire, like vines, take everyone down. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all of that is, is really fascinating stuff. Um, so, yeah, I guess it ties in with the fact that the ending. We really couldn't go anywhere after that. I think once right. vengeance is vengeance is secured, but at the end of the day, what Alessa really wants is her mother. Mm-hmm. But it's not Deborah Kara mm-hmm. Unger who let her down, so it's the mother that saved her. Um, but there's no saving Alessa; she's in her, in, in, irrevocably corrupt. So yeah, yeah, I mean, you have no ending. What do you do? Um, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, no. like you know, there's no way. Sam and I love to do that sometimes, where we rewrite endings. Or uh, or what we might do, and I can't think of a possible ending that would work any better than the one they have in this picture. No, um, no. there's no way out. Yeah, um, you know, and that's why when you, we'll, we'll talk about it next week with the sequel, where it's like they they have to, you know, kind of pull Rada Mitchell screaming and kicking uh, to come explain mm-hmm. uh, where how we can make a sequel, um, <laughs> and. Um, right. It's literally the it's literally the case. I've seen it, it's it, it's one of the pivotal points at the beginning of the picture is Rada Mitchell showing up in the mirror and going, Sean Bean, here's how a sequel can happen. And right. Sean Bean goes, Thank you, Rada Mitchell. And yep. let's proceed. Um, but yeah, it's um totally. But yeah, it's uh it's it's fantastic. But um I have a allegedly they're working on another one called Return to uh, Silent Hell. Christoph Gens supposed Christoph to be coming Gens back. is supposed to be doing it, so it'll be interesting to see how they justify it. Um yeah. And, and I think he's basing it on. Of, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I think he's basing it on Silent Hill too. That's I what I've heard. Yeah. He's... Is it the same director? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think he he wanted to do two, right? But mm-hmm. 
he didn't think it made sense to start with two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I read that too some recently because I think he had said with the the film regaining a little bit of cult following again, um, yeah. you know, 15, 20 years later, whatever it is, uh, that he was like, uh, oh yeah, okay, I, I want to do another one. Um, it, and they were like, yeah, sure. Money. This first one made good money. So yeah, yeah it was it, a success. It did a hundred million on a 50 million budget. So it, it, it did yeah, try start, to this job. Yeah. TriStar was happy with it. <laughs> and then they rushed the sequel. Um, right. Well, I guess I didn't really rush it. It was a few years later, but um, six years later, I think. <laughs> six years later, yeah. no rush at all. Yeah, yeah, no rush at all. Um, it feels rushed, though. <laughs> it does, it does. Feel rush. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely does. Um, but yeah, it's um, but supposedly, yeah, Christoph Gans is supposed to come back, do um, another Silent Hill picture, and uh, base it on the story of Silent Hill Two, right? Um, which I think means he's just going to sidestep um so yeah ref- that's, that's or, my guess you know the films that have happened already um which so is just weird of, it's just weird that they're doing you know one then they did three and then they're going back to two, two yeah yeah um and we'll talk about that actually at the with next week's episode about right. how the end of two is actually like three different sequel setups that are all references to the rest of the series right um but yeah um anybody we gotta oh we gotta talk about general furland yeah um amazing uh, amazing job well, yeah. did here amazing uh child act not a child anymore right uh she's in her 20s now i think if not 30 um but um uh does a wonderful job here playing dual roles um Mm -hmm. and with some stuff that i i found myself wondering i'm watching the film and being like how much did she know about what she was saying or doing because there are some pretty dark shit coming out of this kid's mouth in this movie um Especially in that like lore drop, yeah, movie yeah. section. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder about that. Uh, what are you guys? Uh, Anastasia, what's your take on uh, on uh, the uh, Sharon Alessa character and um, uh, Jordan Furlan's performance? I mean, I think her performance was very good. I, you know, sometimes with child actors, you're just like, oh, this is just a kid, right? <laughs> but right. I did. Feel like like I actually felt like she was those characters. Um, I do think it's completely not on her. I do think they could have done better with some of the makeup and like art choices for her because at one point I'm like, so Sharon has dark brown hair and wears dark clothing, and Alessa has black hair and wears dark clothing and is paler, a little bit paler, and. So a lot of the time, they it seems like they expected you to be able to know who was who from a glance. And I'm like, I can't tell it that fast. No, I, I think you might be right. I think that, um, although sometimes I felt like it was too far apart to the fact that I, that I found myself wondering if there was another actor. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think that the balance isn't quite there. But um, so I think I agree with you on that. Sam, what do you think? Um, I think it takes a, a hell of a child actor to play a... Uh, a terrifying horror movie villain. Um, and I think she, she nailed it. Uh, playing dark Alessa, like just yeah. like you do not want to run into her. <laughs> no, she's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that great bit of her, like turning around and saying, look at me, I'm burning. Um, right. It's a, it's a good, it's a good startling moment and yeah. it really does work. But what do you think yeah. about uh, Anastasia's point of, um, uh, the transition between the two characters and their their differences. What do you? Yeah, what's your take I think, on that? 
I I think they're um they wanted to have them be close together visually. I think they wanted to show that there's there's a bleed through, like that there's you know maybe they're not as divided. They're not as, as divided think. as as you think they are. Like the the true the true uh my God I space i got her name sharon there is no true sharon it's just actually like alessa there's yeah. there's you know alessa's just trying to break through this character and she's really been alessa all along um and it would it would work a lot with like the the other queer coding in, in the film too to have this person be like you know realizing that they're you know someone else that, that everybody else around them says that they are and being unable to to really uh, grapple with that right yeah anastasia what do you think what do you think to that point no, I think that's a very good point and that has me thinking about like near the beginning of the movie um mm-hmm. the scene where rose finds um sharon's drawings drawings they're, right they're all messed up they're all dark and twisted and she's mm-hmm. like when did you change these and right. sharon gets very upset because she didn't she doesn't remember having done that yeah so it is like there's there's something about her that she's not comfortable with and she doesn't know how to deal with. Um, and other people are reacting to this. Like Sean Bean actually right. talks, he wants her institutionalized and on more, and she's already on prescription drugs for mm-hmm. her like walking and issues. And he wants her on more drugs. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. you, you brought me around. I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. I think we've we've um I, I think I both think, are valid valid takes. I think yeah. I think it we're is, I, it is confusing to to have them visually look look all that all the, the same and be expected to turn on a dime and remember which one is which like instantaneously before even like they say anything or do yeah. anything. Yeah. They're expecting a lot from the audience, I think. Right. I think, but I think that's somewhat uh, uh, valuable. I think, but yeah. Uh, which actually brings me. Well, I, I was going to say we're we're shortchanging the. Uh, I, I almost feel like we're shortchanging the queer coding of this picture, and I'd like mm-hmm. to revisit that before we finish up. But um, I wanted to talk about something that uh, Anastasia was kind of been kind of peppering in throughout, uh, and about how the this film was originally supposed to be all women. There's the the Sean Bean and Kim Coates roles were added right. due to studio uh, insistence. But mm-hmm. I always I love that one of the themes of this movie is uh, a man only make things worse. Um, <laughs> uh, you know that. Um, but to through the idea of uh, with queer coding and all of these aspects of uh, women of women being together uh, for better or worse, mm-hmm. uh, or discovering who they are uh, for better or worse, um, that it's interesting to me that you have. Um, a lot of heavy lifting being done by two male characters uh, expositionally. Right. But, uh, and this was something I was saying to Sam before we started recording that I was like, it's really weird that they were never originally intended to be there because they do a lot of expositional lifting. And I had asked the question kind of rhetorically to Sam before we started recording of being, I wonder how they were going to handle that in the picture. But now as we talk about, you know, the expectations that the audience is going to follow, uh mm-hmm. you know sharon is sharon and dark alessa is dark alessa but right. i almost wonder if they were just going to be like we're, we're not we're not going to explain any of this um and it's going to be about women discovering who they are right uh which is is runs counter to at least the first two silent hills which are very much about a male character finding out mm-hmm. who they are 
right? Uh, and usually not liking what they find. Silent Hill, of yeah. course, is, that's across the board. Is it's yeah. uh, <laughs> you know you find out who you really are right. in the dark, and you don't like it. Yeah. The plot yeah. of most of them is, dude has a really bad day. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And then finds out he's not a good person and probably oh, had it coming. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, you ain't no nice guy. <laughs> yeah, you ain't no nice guy, Larry Underwood. Um, but um, but no, it's interesting to me that that's uh that's the case. But yeah, I mean, to the to the point that I'm I'm really coming around on this queer coding thing that I thought was more of a minor aspect of the film. But the more that we've discussed it, the more I think. There's a lot of it here. I don't know right. if it, I don't know how intentional this is. This is still a, a oh, film yeah. made. Yeah. It was intentional. Mm -hmm. so? um, I mean, it'd be quite a bold move to be like, we're going to interpret this video game and change the cult to be Christian and then like mm -hmm. gender swap, drop all the men. And I, I don't know. I feel like they just, they went about trying to make a movie. Like I remember um, in some of the discussions, um, the director was basically like, I don't think a general audience is going to accept like a dad going to these lengths right. for his daughter, but a mother very, yeah, definitely, definitely will accept it. So I feel like they, they made some choices early on and then that just equals very queer coding. Mm -hmm. I guess another point of this is I've heard some analysis recently that like queer coding kind of just happens when the opposite sex are not real fleshed out characters. So when all the fleshed out characters are women, mm -hmm. then you're just going to read into it a lot of queer coding. Right. Like, right. That makes sense. Barely matter. Yeah. The, and they, they mm -hmm. don't in this movie, right. like at all. Um, there is a little bit there of, um, uh detective gucci being the one good man in silent hill right. uh you know that showed compassion uh for alessa that she remembered that and it helped her create uh sharon mm -hmm. um but no to anastasia's point i mean sean bean's uh primary motivation for going to silence to get his wife back right mm -hmm. not his adopted child um the only thing he yells uh, is about as Anastasia put it, tries to fight everybody, right. trying to get his trying to get his wife back. <clears throat> he only stumbles upon uh, expositional information about Sharon uh, tangentially. You know, well, I always to... I always took took that to be that he was just looking for Sharon because he assumes that uh, I'm sorry that he was looking for Rose because she he assumes that she would be with Sharon wherever she is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not suggesting that he doesn't care about his kid, but, right? Right. Um, but to his point, uh, he doesn't strike me as the type of dad who's going to fight monsters to get his kid back. Right. No. Um, maybe not his all. wife. He loves yeah. his wife, and he's willing to fight his for his wife. Although he has no idea uh, what's really going on. Uh, he right. just knows there's some weird mystery here, and the locals won't let him. You know, uh, it's a very different movie that's happening yeah. to Sean Bean. Um, it's it's very. Yeah. Um, uh, the locals are inhib are are uh, prohibiting me from uh, finding my missing wife. It's like the vanishing. If like the police were against the guy, right. um, you know, that makes me think of one thing I picked up on this time that I didn't really notice when I was younger is how luxurious their home is. Right, like, they they got a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of money. So I almost watching it this time, I got more of the feel from John Bean that like. 
no one ever says no to him. Everybody gives him. I agree with you. And I think um, what's great about the, the, the dad stuff, I think is that Sean Bean is such a good actor mm-hmm. um, and such a good character actor again, mm-hmm. that uh, he thought out Chris De Silva, um, even though he probably didn't have to. Um, right. And, <laughs> uh, and it was something I was like, again, saying to Sam before we started recording about um, uh, uh, last month we did uh, eight millimeter and I talked about wasting Catherine Keener. Uh, now, however, in that film, nobody knew they had Catherine Keener yet, um, but she has very little to do in that movie except hold a baby and cry. Um, right. In this movie, Sean Bean, a veteran character actor, star of numerous films, this guy's Boromir, um, yeah. you know, uh, and he basically just kind of gets wet and argues with uh, argues with a cop <laughs> uh, right. and gets and he gets it gets told to, to go away by a nun. Um right. That's what he does. And he pines for his wife and he has the one great moment of smelling her perfume mm-hmm. and, and getting, uh, and getting worked up. I mean, uh, all these things are things that Sean Bean, I think brings to that role. Right. Um, but no, I mean, he has really nothing to do, but it's, so you could have cast any asshole to be Chris oh, Silva. Right. You could have, you could have cast me to be Chris Silva. All it is is get wet and yell at, right. and yell at Kim Coates. I mean, <laughs> I probably can do that. Um, but, um, but Sean Bean thought out this role um for whatever reason i mean i think that it's mm-hmm. just a man of integrity he's just that good yeah yeah uh that he was like i'm going to to really give a performance kim Coates is good too i mean like right. he's a great actor another great character actor um that again these scenes are pretty inconsequential yeah. but they make them work yeah. i mean they're not they don't distract from the picture very much i mean maybe they break up some mm-hmm. action but um they work I mean, uh, I I can get behind Krista Silva's plight. Right. Um, you know, it's um, it's just interesting to think about that. It's originally wasn't there, so it's right. it's. I guess there is a cut if you go look online. You can find the where they excised uh, no yeah. got no men cut of uh, no Silent men. Hill. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, in Christoph Gans's interview, uh, he talks a lot about his the process of making this film and about uh fandom video game fandom and how he was genuinely surprised that they didn't come for him you know uh he is a video game fan he was yeah, a right, he is. that's why he wanted to make it yeah it's right. apparently how he got the rights he and uh he and the producer uh where they their pitch was just we really love the game right um versus uh i guess other companies like miramax was after it uh and tom cruise was after it um no and uh his production company and um ultimately uh economy and sony uh gave the go-ahead to um to tristar right um and apparently that was mostly because christoph gans was just a fan of the picture apparently he had uh his, he tells a story of um some sony execs asking him if he knew how many uh pressed copies of silent hill were out in france or something like that and he said no he didn't know it was only like 150 something like right. that and he owned oh. two of them um <laughs> and so like it was sort of like you know i uh, percent of all the copies yeah, as, yeah. on accident yeah and so they were like oh you're okay you know that's that's pretty cool so right. you know um that's what basically got him into it because he was a huge fan of um of japanese video games and of japanese manga and mm-hmm. anime um 
but yeah, so I mean, it, it's very, but it is interesting to me that um, this uh, that this male director and this male writer uh, really did want to go out and make a movie about women um, right. without any guys involved, and um, it's it's that's rare. And kudos yep. to uh, kudos to both uh, Roger Avery and Christoph Gans for for making that call. Mm-hmm. Um, Christoph Gans also tells the story about he was making another film that was about Japanese people and was told by a production company that he needed to make it about Latinos because nobody right. would watch it starring Asian people. Um, and so, I mean, like it's it's interesting that he would uh, that he would go there to begin with, and then it was like very open about making this. Um, uh, uh, compromise to be like, all right, I'll throw a couple of guys in here. And then he got right. Sean Bean and Kim Goats. And I mean, like great actors to come mm-hmm. do these just very small yeah. roles. But you have to compromise. This was probably the way to do it. Yeah. 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 It, it's making something very positive out of something that uh, a lot of directors would probably really, really chafe over, you know. Yeah. But any uh, any further thoughts on Silent Hill before we wrap up? I think we've covered uh, covered quite a bit of ground. I, I had never. I mean, I'm interested. This conversation has enlightened me, right? Uh, in terms of the queer coding of this film, that's a huge point, Anastasia. And I yeah. thank you for bringing that to this. Um, I had always read it as the queer coding is basically being an invention of um, mm-hmm. uh, Lori Holden. Right. Um, oh. okay. You know, bringing that her performance as Sybil was. Yeah. Uh, what was bringing a lot of that. But no, now that you've spurned this conversation and have had this uh, uh, spurred this conversation, not spurned, spurned is a whole different thing, spurred this conversation. uh, uh, It's definitely opened my eyes to an entirely different Mm -hmm. read on this picture. And I I very much appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, this movie definitely had an effect on me as like a queer teenager. Mm -hmm. I was like 17 ish when it came out. so yeah, who did, you, that, who did you see yourself in? Which character? Oh, Rose, absolutely Rose. Rose. I mean, yeah. she's still she's still like a big fashion influence on me. Not right. necessarily the exact pieces, but like right or the like just the capable, vibe, yeah. capable, capable, practical but feminine. Um, right. Yeah, she has really nice boots, but they're not uh, high heeled. Like they're right. they're you can run in those. It's really it's really quite fascinating. Yeah, that they um. They gave her uh, a, a, a costume, a working was, outfit. Yeah, yeah, that where you can you can run around in yeah. while still looking good. But in, you know, time, I think that character wears that stuff all the time. I think yeah, that's I agree. Her clothes. I don't think she put on a special outfit to go to the <laughs> event in Wine Town. No, no, no. no. She's, she's but costume for out of drive, and you know, was maybe going to go for a walk. You know, that's all she knew she was going to do. You know, yeah. Yeah, but costume design wise, it's uh, it it sends a message, mm-hmm. yeah, about uh, what kind of character she is, and about what uh, kind of character she's going to become. Uh, you know, it's a common, uh, you know, the male gaze and and common criticism of horror films is you always have you know the woman running right. in high heels, you right. know, Jurassic World shit. You know, like you know you went you're going out in the jungle to find your missing nephews. Uh, maybe change it to some sneakers. Uh, right. No, yeah. no, you're just gonna wear high heels. Okay. The only um, like that comes through in this movie would be like the sexy dead nurses. Right. Yeah, that's the only place where male gaze really like applies there. That's one, and then it's done. Right. And then it's not, but it's not sexy. <laughs> you know, it's not. Uh, right. It's a little sexy. Uh, it's a little, a little sexy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. You guys, I'll have, I'll take Alice Creek, and you guys oh, can I- take. Uh, 
you talked about in the scene with the janitor that he's making some noises. They're definitely making some noises. That yes, right. that is true. That is true. Yeah. This movie, this movie did not want to shy away from sexuality, but it no. it wanted to keep it as subtext. But mm. um, yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a fascinating picture. But uh, Anastasia, uh, where can people find you if you want them to find you? Um. You know. Um. Uh, for horror, the only thing really is my Twitter. Um. That's anesthesia like anesthesiology um mm-hmm. so anesthesia cg um yeah that's pretty much it and you just like to comment on uh on horror films online right <laughs> honestly yeah. mostly just post fashion and talk about knitting now so yeah. i'm i'm slowly becoming an old lady but i still that's love entirely horror. valid though you yeah know? <laughs> yeah I, if i knew how to knit i'd probably never stop but i don't know how right so I just take edibles and watch dumb shit. That's what I do now. <laughs> if I'm not really working, because I'm like fidgety, like you know, I'd probably yeah. like you know, knitting would, yeah. would work with that. But uh, no, I never, never. Maybe I should. Learn. Maybe when I try to quit smoking again, maybe I should try to learn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I wonder if that would help. Not enough um, men knit. You know, I think you'd be really doing the the world yeah, a service can... for that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I always like the meme uh, that goes around every once in a while of like uh, your zombie apocalypse team better include a knitter. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, that nobody ever talks about that, but they're like, you know, right. in, in post apocalyptic world, if you can make a sweater, you're kind of one up, you know, yeah. kind of a. We've got so much clothes. It's going to be a few generations before you need to make clothes. Right. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. Uh, any last any last thoughts on Silent Hill before we wrap up? No, check it out. Uh, it's, it's just yeah. uh, it's a it's a really good. um surprisingly deeper than i that i anticipated due to like the the course this conversation has taken like i, I think yeah. i appreciated like the deepness of it a little more than i, I did beforehand yeah um excellent uh, really excellent contrib- yeah. excellent, yeah. contrib- excellent contribution anastasia thank yeah. you very much yeah thank you for the added value to talk about how something's gay right. so. <laughs> well we'll have to call you back for that some other time yeah for right. sure yeah all right sam you want to take us out yeah, um, thank you for listening. Um, you know, remember to watch out for each other. It's uh, not as bad as Silent Hill out there, but it, it can get a little real, um, especially this month where you know it's Pride Month. We've got to remember to watch out for our brothers and sisters and others. Um, but you know, thank you once again for your time. Uh, just remind you to be nice to each other and. Uh, be kind, rewind, mostly be kind. Thanks.